When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, time for Fan Mail Fridays. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with my producer, Jason DeFilippo. We'll be answering your questions and dropping some knowledge and feedback to help you kick the weekend off right. Anyway, if you're new to the Art of Charm podcast, this isn't a great place to start. Most of our content is more in-depth and longer format. So check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of body language, nonverbal communication, negotiation, attraction, networking, everything else we teach here at The Art of Charm. We'll send all of this to your inbox if you text CHARMED, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444. All right, let's cut to it. I've been in my professional career for about seven years and have been really miserable for about 90% of it. I have a quote-unquote good job and it pays fairly well, but I don't feel like I'm using all of the skills and natural talents that make me feel alive, and I really am not in love with doing personal finance. I'd love to hear your take on whether I should pursue a job that I love or if that's even a thing. Should I be happy with a good career at a good company and just stop complaining? The company I work for now is a solid company. They give me a great amount of vacation time and there's growth potential over time, but I find the field very dry and boring and I struggle getting into the content, not to mention doing the full suit and tie every single day thing and being tied to a desk, except for you know my lunch and bathroom break. I'm turning 30 tomorrow, and I feel like I'm on the cusp of getting pigeonholed in a career that makes me miserable. Any thoughts would be helpful. Either way, keep doing what you're doing. You deserve all the success in the world for sharing this content. You are one hell of an interviewer, which takes skill and experience and is greatly underappreciated. Steve. Hey, Steve. You know, this is kind of the, this is kind of a dilemma that I see a lot, especially among my friends who joined Wall Street really early on. I think a lot of people who do quote unquote the right thing, get the professional job, get the good pay, we get handcuffed to it. And we call this the golden handcuffs on Wall Street because you get a lot of nice toys and a lot of nice comfort. But honestly, I think most people do not actually have jobs that they love. And and yes, it is a thing. A lot of people love their work. I love my work and a lot of people listening will view me as an exception because I run my own business and I'm doing this sort of creative entertainment type of, of thing here with the show. But most people that I know that are really happy actually really enjoy what they do, even if they get paid a little bit less. So yeah, you work for a solid company, they give you a great amount of vacation time, but that's that's a red flag for me because what I'm hearing is, well, I don't have to go to work as much as other people do because they let me out of the cage a lot. 
the growth potential over time is good, but only if you see a position above you that you think is going to be really, really good, and it's not just marginally better than what you have now or pays slightly more or gives you more time out in the sun from prison. If you find the field boring, which you say you do, if you find it dry and you struggle getting into the content, that's probably not going to change. So if the way that you phrase this letter here, Steve, the full suit and tie every single day, being tied to a desk every day since, except for a lunch and bathroom break. You're turning 30. This is sort of a quarter life crisis now that we have longer lifespans, maybe slightly early midlife. You are probably getting pigeonholed in a career that makes you miserable, but the good news is it's not too late. 30, you're still young, man. You're still basic, well, you're still technically in your 20s, unless your birthday's already passed by the time we answer this. And you can change to do whatever you need to do. I mean, shoot, man, I didn't even start the Art of Charm till I was about 27. I'd been doing stuff in the field since age 24, but I wasn't much younger than you when I started this with AJ. So I think thinking that you're 30 and that you're pigeonholed and it's too late, you're, you're way off the mark. Don't have this realization when you're 40. Do something about it now, even if you just dip your toes in the water to begin with. Hey, Jordan, I have a question prompted by a comment made on the Ask Gary V episode. You mentioned that you were a millennial, but an early millennial like myself. I wonder what your thoughts are on the constant bashing of our generation. I think a lot of the bashing is fair for some of the youngest or least experienced, but wonder, is it just youth or lack of experience? Millennials have, however, created some of the most valuable companies, quickly taking ranks amongst Fortune 500 companies and overall have surpassed many Gen Xers. Blow me. By the way, I'll, I'll cut that out. By the way... <laughs> Thought it was funny you didn't like Gary at first because I thought the same thing. Uh, a bit about you and Art of Charm as well. However, I couldn't have survived my commute as long as I had without it. Keep up the great work, Mike. Hey, Mike. Thank Jason, I think you should leave that in there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Mike, I, I totally get it. Yeah, I'm an early millennial, 1980. I don't know when you were born. But I, the constant bashing of our generation, look, I hate to say it, but in many ways, I get it, but I also think that every single, I also know from hearing about it from my parents and older people that every generation gets bashed. It's just that now we read about it more. I think back in the day, generation bashing was something that was relegated to maybe the occasional magazine article and your grandpa picking on you for being lazy because he had to walk uphill both ways in the snow to go to school. But now we see it on the internet and everybody's got an opinion on Medium and Facebook. So I don't think it's changed at all. And I, I, I agree. Look, the bashing for some of the youngest and least experienced, maybe there's something there. But look, every I can't I don't know any young person, including myself, that wasn't entitled and thought, well, I'm going to be this way when I'm older because you don't know squat. I don't know anybody who has been immune to that in any generation that I've ever heard of, especially our own. So I, I get the bashing, but I also, I don't think it's a big deal. Look, I agree with you. Millennials have created some of the most valuable companies, taking ranks, like you said, among the Fortune 500. And, and overall, sure, we've surpassed many Gen Xers, just as many Gen Xers had surpassed the generation before them. This is nothing new. I think it's just more visible. And I think it seems a little bit different because now people are like, well, you don't want to do anything. 
I disagree. I think millennials want to innovate to a degree that we haven't really seen for a long time looking back through history. I just think that the idea of what they call work, which is manual labor or long hours or commuting to an office or working for somebody else, these are values we don't share with the older generations, but we have different values when it comes to innovating, creating solutions to problems that a quote-unquote grown-ups didn't even know they had. I mean, think about this. If you lost touch with your friends, tough. If you wanted to communicate mobily, tough. If you wanted to check your email and not use dial-up and you wanted faster things, I mean, these are all companies that millennials are really busting their butts to create and run. And my parents love that technology, so I don't think they would turn around and bash millennials for creating things that they use every day. They're just bashing the kid next door who still lives with his parents, even though he's 28 and doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. They think he should go out and, and get a job, right? So I agree with you mostly, and I really think that our generation is is has got a unique place in history. We look the laziest, and yet we're probably going to solve some of the biggest problems that have ever faced humanity. And I, I say that, and I mean it. And yes, I didn't like Gary at first, you didn't like me at first. I didn't like Gary's delivery, and I thought that what he was saying was mostly trite. I think now I understand a little bit more, now that I've lived into it a little bit more, and, and I'm kind of glad that you didn't like me at first. Look, everybody likes to make a great first impression, but I think if my first impression was made that I was a little bit brash and maybe a little bit too in your face without being Gary V level, I can appreciate that because I don't think that what we need, especially our generation, speaking of millennials, is more pats on the back and more soft, compassionate delivery when it comes to this stuff. And granted, I could probably be a more compassionate person in general, but when it comes to this stuff, I'm more passionate, I'm more passion rather than compassion, and I think that turns some people off. So I'm glad to have you as a fan. Thanks for the note. Okay, we're going to have a little chat right now, Jordan, because you know what? Millennials aren't actually creating half of the stuff that you think you're creating because the Gen Xers and the generation before us did all of that before you got here. We built the platform for you to actually have a voice. So, you know, when, when, I, when I hear this stuff about the millennials, it drives me crazy. So, I mean, what's your take on that? Because as somebody who was in the, in the realm of when email was coming up, when the web was coming up, I don't think millennials have a lock on that because it, webmail, email, all of that stuff happened before they were born. I agree with you there, but but the thing is, when those things were invented, that platform, great, thank you for that Gen X or whatever, right? I get it. But when that was invented, that was, oh, look, you lo when I was in college, this is 2002, I remember going to this thing where they were teaching us how to use Pine, which is an email client for Unix, and this was this was what we had in 2000 to check our email. Well, that's what we had in 1993 as well. Right, So so that didn't change. And look now, you can go onto Facebook and you can go onto these social media. These are things that were unfathomable by Gen. I, did I? What did I just say? Unfathomable by Gen X, right? And and that's okay. Look, I'm not bashing Gen X. I agree that the platform was laid there just as people invented electricity before Gen X was around, right? The okay, good point. Okay, point, Jordan. Okay, all right. But but I think what I'm trying to say is, look, millennials get bashed, and I don't think it's totally. I don't think it's totally ridiculous that they do. I think every generation bashes the one that comes after them because they don't necessarily understand what's going on and those values aren't shared. I try not to bash millennials as much, the younger ones, because for every guy that I'm like, look at this lazy guy, he doesn't want to get good at anything, he's not mastering his skill, and that's a rant I'll go on on another show, 
I look at somebody and they have these ridiculous dreams where I think, oh, for God's sake, make something of yourself. But if they are able to follow through on the things that they're hoping to accomplish, it can be a game changer for the whole world. And I, I appreciate people who still dream big in a day when everybody else is just bitching about the economy and ISIS and how everything's going to crap, which is what a lot of Gen Xers are doing right now instead of innovating. We get tired, man. Look, you know, we get tired. Yeah, totally, totally. And and also, you know, it's about stereotypes. Don't always believe the hype because I've got a 19-year-old working for me right now who is one of the biggest hustlers I've ever seen. He's not Gen X. He's not a millennial. He's like millennial plus plus. I don't even know what we call this generation now for teenagers. And he is kicking butt and out there doing his thing. And, you know, other people are sitting around Snapchatting, buying drones and doing drone selfies all day. But he's out there getting business, making his life something because he knows what he wants. He wants to buy a house in three years. And, you know, it, I don't know if this is a thing about generational boundaries. I think this might actually be more about what you want out of your life. And I think it's a lot easier to say friggin' millennials than it is to say, well, you know, losers of my generation also aren't doing this. I mean, there's people sleeping on their mom's couch since moms had couches, since the couch was invented. So so let's not pick on millennials for that exclusively. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, 
Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Hello, AOC fam. I'm emailing you wondering if you can spare some guidance on my situation. I'm 24 years old and currently live in Beaverton, Oregon with my wife. We live within our means and are both pursuing our bachelors in our respected fields of study. My question has to do with decision making. I'm someone who's a huge fan of your show. Listen nonstop on my way to work to and from. I work 40 hours a week, 40 plus hours, actually, between my two jobs to make ends meet with my wife because she focuses on school right now so I can handle a larger part of the plate. My problem is with my struggle making the quote unquote right choices. And I will have to say from now on, anytime I say the word right, it is quote unquote. It is in quotes. Yes. What I mean is I always do what is right. I don't max out my credit card. I just paid off our car loan with our tax return. I make sure we are living within our means, and I'm currently staying with my full-time job that I'm not that fond of because they are paying for my college in full. I make sure we don't go on huge vacations that we can't pay for with cash. I make the right decision and focus on school first since I'm a year out. Should I be a little less frugal and spoil my wife a little more with trips? Is this simply part of being smart and paying my dues until I graduate and have some traction to make it in the real world? I'm just looking for some input. I'm worried the right decisions are actually holding me back. Right decision madness. Yeah, this is from uh, this is from Mason who picked a really I like that right decision madness. Um, look, man, first of all, slow clap for being 24, having a couple of jobs, being married and putting your wife through school. When I was 24, I was probably just. I don't even know what I was doing, but none of it involved responsibility at that level. So I'm just, I'm just, first of all, props to you, uh, <laughs> right decision madness for that. I think what you, what we've got here is a case of FOMO, fear of missing out, right? What I'm seeing, I bet you that Mason would never think about any of this stuff if he weren't listening to, to shows like The Art of Charm and seeing all these guys on the internet doing their thing. He would be like, I'm killing it. I got a job, my, my wife's going through school, we're paying for things in cash, I got no debt. Instead, all this marketing and all this stuff that he's absorbing through people that I think are probably crap role models is starting to make him feel, to make you feel, Mason, like you're not doing the right thing. You got fear of missing out. You're, you're worried that you're not going on enough trips. I'll ask you this, is your wife constantly complaining about how you never do anything? Because if not, then you're probably doing just fine. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. wondering too. I'm like, okay, if she's not complaining, then why are you worrying about it? Is this just like something in the back of your head? But you're killing it, man. You, no debt. Yeah. No. It's, it's great. 
you, you know why he's probably worried about it is because his friends who don't have any jobs are probably going on 10 trips a year with their girlfriend because their parents are hooking them up or because they're in $30,000 of credit card debt and they're not worried about it, et cetera, et cetera. Look, if you're living with your means like you say you are and you're staying with your full-time job even though you don't love it but they're paying for your university and your wife's going through school, I mean, this is this – is, you're doing everything so right – no wonder it feels wrong. It's not as fun as everybody else claims to be having. But I'll tell you this. When you graduate and you have freedom because you have no debt, so you're not beholden to quote unquote the man, and you don't have things that you have to pay for, so you don't have to take a crappy job to do it, and your wife has graduated and all these other things are in place, you're going to be very, very happy with the decisions that you're making now. You're 24, you're super young, you have a decade before you need to really start thinking about quote unquote quality of of life when it comes to having he's the got two right decades. career. At I mean, least I'm, he's twenty four. I'm forty four, and, and, and I'm still like struggling with this stuff. But he's like, yeah, he's got it nailed way before I did. So it's just like super kudos. I, I I I agree. And look, I'm not saying you don't need to worry about quality of life when you're twenties and thirties. What I am saying is the fact that you're not focusing on your own comfort, but you're focusing on your growth right now is a massive investment in yourself that doesn't feel as awesome now as what maybe some of your stinky friends are doing, wasting money and taking <laughs> tons of trips. Uh, but you're going to be so much more flexible later. I'm telling you, the, the fact that you won't have debt alone is making all this worth it. The other idea here is that you're learning how to live without and you're living within your means, which is what you should be doing anyway. So the fact that you're the fact that you're comfortable enough here to do it, but you're feeling a little bit like maybe there's more, this is the fire under your butt that's going to keep you achieving. So I think you're doing everything right. No need to put right in air quote, <laughs> quotes anymore in your emails that you're writing. Keep at it, graduate from school, and then you can focus on shaping your life, shaping that life that you have with your wife. And uh, otherwise, I think it sounds like you're doing you're doing really, really well. A unless she's got a gripe you didn't put in the email that, that you didn't let us know about, I think you're killing it. So keep on that track. Nate wrote in to ask, I have one issue with some of the AOC Toolbox podcasts. I noticed that most of the advice on meeting women and interacting with women centers a lot around the bar slash nightclub scene. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I've been sober for two years now, and that's just not a scene I'm part of. I still have one good friend that I hang out with who drinks, and I've gone to the bar with him on many occasions since being sober, but I have no purpose in being there, and I don't enjoy it. Being around alcohol doesn't bother me, but it's not an ideal place for me to meet someone who I would like to be with. At any rate, I was wondering if you had any suggestions on meeting women in a venue or event where alcohol is not the focal point of the occasion. I know this probably isn't something you get asked often, but it's been nagging me since listening to your podcasts. Thanks for your time. Hey, Nate, uh, I'm going to give it to you straight here because you're you're 12 stepping. Plenty of sober guys go to bars. Even sober AOC clients come out on boot camps. You can't avoid society. And one reason you don't enjoy the bar is because you don't see a purpose to being there without drinking. And I get that if you're in recovery. I, I totally do get that. The fact is, if you feel like you can go there and it's not going to endanger your recovery, then I would encourage you to hang out where your friends are hanging out. And if you need to find a different purpose for going there, it's up to you to find that purpose. First of all, normal women go to bars all the time. It doesn't mean they're alcoholics. And that judgment on your part is actually self-limiting, Nate. And uh, I also think, frankly, that going to a bar where everybody else is drinking and you're not, it's like a superpower. 
this is something where you have a massive advantage in being a fun, charming, sweet guy among guys and girls. You can really crush it there. Now, look, you don't have to go to bars. You can find other activities where you should meet people. And in fact, I encourage you to do that if you don't like going out at night. And for people that hate bars and clubs and any sort of nighttime venue because maybe they have an early morning job, I encourage you as well to go and learn things and be constructive with your time. Make a list of things that you would like to learn. And I mean like skydiving, cooking Italian food, learning French, whatever. Make a list of maybe five or 10 things. You might have to stretch to think about some skills and things that you want to learn. Then look in community center guides, universities, especially local kind of community college places, uh, the learning annex, if that's still around. I don't think that's still around, but something like that, YMCA. Look for those and sign up for those classes, and you'll meet people there that are going to be interested in those same things. Now you're meeting people who aren't drinking, unless it's like one of those wine classes or a beer, <laughs> beer making class, maybe avoid those. But you'll meet people who aren't drinking, who are interested in the same things that you are, and it'll probably be a co-ed group of people that you can hang out with in other areas and make friends. So, look, you're going to have to get over the going to bars things or not, but you have to figure something out. I would say, all in all, there's nothing really missing from the AOC toolbox, and if there is, it certainly isn't how to meet people without going to bars, because we've talked about this a lot, and the skills that you use at bars and clubs and nighttime venues to meet people and generate attraction, those things hold up everywhere. What's missing is your ability to apply the advice in places that you do frequent instead. Hi, Jordan and company. My sister has invited me on a night out for her 21st birthday at the end of March with her and the girls. Whilst I have no problem going out with a group of women, how do I not look like the gay guy out with five or six women? Many thanks in advance. Kind regards, Matt. So Matt came through an AOC boot camp when we had one in London like seven years ago. I think we had one or two way back then. So so I believe the word is whilst. Uh, Look, I think you're overthinking it a little bit. A guy out with five or six women, at least in the United States, and maybe I'm misreading something about English culture here, this is not something that says that guy must be gay. It just says he's with a lot of girls. And it depends on the way that you interact with them. It depends on the way that you interact with other people around. Uh, you can definitely have a leg up in flirting with women that when you're around other women because of the concept of social proof and pre-selection where you look safer and more charming because you're surrounded by other people that are like them. In other words, when you're with women, it's easier to talk to women. And frankly, you have a superpower right now when you go out with a bunch of gals because when you want to talk to guys, yeah, maybe they'll think you're gay for 10 seconds, but when you start introducing them to cute girls that are hanging out with your sister, they're going to think you're the coolest guy in the, in the world. So yeah, I mean, like what's wrong with this situation? You're going out with, out with five or six women who can be your wings and also yeah. just your friends. And, and you know, the social proof right there is just yeah. off the charts. So why are you worried about thinking you're gay? Here, here's how I here's how I think this plays out. Matt doesn't pay for a drink all night because he keeps throwing girls at a bunch of dudes at the bar. Oh, yeah. And he ends up yeah. he ends up talking with a bunch of women who aren't sure which whether he's straight or gay until he starts making out with them or something like that. <laughs> I think he's going to have a great night. I mean, look, people don't necessarily automatically jump to that conclusion. Maybe you do, Matt, because maybe that's something that you got going on in the back of your head or something that you're sort of neurotically worried about for no reason, but honestly, that's not the first conclusion most people will jump to. So let us know how your night goes. I would say just stop thinking about it. Remember to introduce guys to the girls that you're with and remember to talk to people outside of the group that you're with, and I think you'll do just fine. 
Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm an army officer currently stationed in Germany. A few years ago, I noticed all but one of the people in my rank and career field has a master's degree. Even then, it took me some time to get motivated to go after the degree. I'm currently enrolled in an MBA program while continuing my job. There are ways I could get the degree as a full-time student, but didn't feel like my timeline for promotion could support that. As such, I'm not in a prestigious MBA program. Does that matter? Do you believe me? Man. Do you believe my time in the army would make up for the fact that I'm not in a prestigious program? Is there anything else I could do? I love living in Germany and wouldn't mind coming back over here. If I took some German classes and got conversational, would that be of benefit? Thanks. Hey, Ross, I wasn't sure how to answer this myself, not being a veteran and not being in the the whole circle, the whole culture of the armed forces. So I asked an AOC grad, Lieutenant Colonel Jason, uh, not to be confused with producer Jason or audio engineer Jason. We are We are a company of many Jasons. And Jason sent this response back. He said, hey, Ross, there are a couple things to consider here. First, I wasn't in the Army, but in the Air Force. So when it came to promotions, they weren't so much concerned about what advanced degree was in or what school it was from as much as they were looking to see if you have one. And I think that's true for most companies, not just in the military. 
That said, when considering candidates for special assignments or fellowships or that kind of thing, sometimes it does matter what the advanced degree is, and when they are selecting candidates, when all other things are equal, where the degree is from could be considered. If your career goals in the Army are to stay in the mainstream operational field you're in now, the institution your degree is from probably isn't such a big deal. If you plan to stay in the Army for the long haul, I'd strongly consider following through with some advanced degree. I can't speak for the Army, but in the Air Force right now, promotion to lieutenant colonel and above is almost impossible without an advanced degree. Considering how it might affect you in your post-Army career, your military service and duty performance will likely be considered more important than where your MBA is from. I'd say your long-term professional goals should dictate what kind of advanced degree you get or, if you choose to go forward with an MBA, what you concentrate in on that degree. If your long-term goal is to make a life in Germany, thinking about the type of career you want to have after the Army could help you make some decisions. If you want to work in the financial sector traveling all over Europe from a home base in Germany, an MBA where you concentrate as heavily as you can on finance courses might be your best bet. Or if you want to be leading people and interacting with them, maybe an MBA with more of a focus on leadership and management and less on the numbers. Look, this is a great question. I wanted to get into this because I know we have a ton of military guys listening that are thinking about transitioning and they ask us a lot about education and I've never really been able to answer these questions. So hopefully Jason, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jason, now just regular Jason, civilian Jason, was able to help here. And I hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us at friday at theartofcharm.com. And we've got something new. Our friends at the Burner app have set us up with a call-in line now. So if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or text, you can do either to 415-429-1915. That's 415-429-1915. So, Jason, we have a voicemail from Xavier as well, a show fan who switched to a new town. You want to play that? Hey, this is Xavier in Los Angeles, and I was calling regarding Fan Mail Friday 51. Um, I just wanted to leave a comment on the meeting people in a different city. I think that, yeah, like um, like you're saying, like, Yelp and Foursquare for me were very helpful when I moved to Los Angeles and um, I was able to meet. Now he's been my Zen hairstylist for probably seven years now, just like in that first week. And I think it's just going out there and just finding, uh, you know, out, out of your norm, uh, wherever you may explore. I'm also nextdoor.com. I've been using as well to find out what's going on in your local neighborhood. That's really good. But yeah, I can completely understand with the guy when you just move to someplace completely different where you never thought you'd live. Anyways, thanks. Bye. Thanks, Xavier, for your insight, moving to a new town and the tools that you're using. Always good to hear from people who have put this stuff into action and honed in on some of the finer details. Make sure you tell us how you use the Art of Charm in your life. 415-429-1915. Maybe we'll play it on the show. Don't forget the Art of Charm challenge at theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed. That's C-H-A-R-M-E-D to 33444. We'll send you step-by-step guides on how to become better at making personal and professional connections, becoming a better networker, increasing your social capital and your charisma. And it's for both guys and gals, so check that out at theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed to 33444. Quick shout-out to Corey in Kosovo. He's in the Peace Corps, keeping the peace in Kosovo. And Jeremy in Swaziland. Not to be confused with Switzerland, which Swaziland is a landlocked country in Africa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a little like, bit different than yeah. well, Switzerland is a landlocked country as well, I believe. It is, but, uh, it is. completely different. There's there's chocolate in Switzerland. There is. There's probably Swaziland might be too hot for chocolate. Anyway, Jeremy's down there building wind turbines with I think high school or college students. Seems pretty 
cool, actually. I wish I did that kind of stuff back then. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up. I'll shout you out. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com. Now, stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 